got locked up at 22 years old for murder, living that lifestyle, ended up committing murder. Um, and being locked up, just faced with that reality, was like something different for me. Because I've been locked up a few times here and there in bookings and stuff. But when I was locked up for that and those those bars closed and them gates like mechanically closed and locked, you can't get out. And you look at your paperwork and that thing say L-I-F-E and you ain't got no letters on that. I mean, no numbers on there. You like, man, good God Almighty, how did I end up here? Right. So I was sitting there trying to figure out like, all right, I got to pull myself together and get about this situation. Um, so the only thing I can think of was I ain't trying to die in the streets and I ain't trying to have no die in prison. I'm not getting no life sentence and rotting this joint and nobody gonna kill me on the street. So I said, you know what? I just take my own life because to me, that was winning. To me, that's how I beat the system. That's how I got out of the streets. That's how nobody killed me. If I take my own life, it was like a victory for me to take my life. But it was something in that moment when I was having it all planned out and all mapped out. It was something still not fully convinced inside of me. At the time, I didn't know what it was, but I started like crying and tearing up. And I said, man, it has to be another way. Like it just has to. And the moment I said that sitting in my cell, God broke through my natural existence and spoke and I heard him clear. He said, try me. And it instantaneously changed everything about me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens. I'm the founder and president of Redwood Christian Ministries. With me today, I got my brother Ray Duggar on the show. Man, how are you doing? Man, I'm blessed, man. I can't complain about nothing. Man, God bro, is good. Bro, how was your Thanksgiving? Bro, that drink was fat and funky. <laughs> <I> got, <laughs> uh, no, God showed up. Um, we had like a Friendsgiving, but it was more like, Christians um, coming over that's like friends in the faith, but we're Christians and stuff. So they came over. We hosted at our house. They spent the night. And man, we just turned up for Jesus, bro. God showed up. People was getting blessed, healed, delivered. We had good laughs, fun, good food. Man, it was tight. That's dope. That's dope. I saw one of the things I love um, about your your Instagram, I see how y'all went live and prayed together. Oh it, yeah, like, that was it. dope. No, we I'm yeah. rocking with you. I'm rocking with you on there. I am. I see it. It was dope. That's what's up. Thank you. It man. was dope. We um the one you did on Halloween, I missed it because we actually recorded a podcast on Halloween where we were also talking about delivering spiritual warfare. So yeah. I watched that one after the fact, but I, I didn't get a chance to jump on her live with y'all that day. So yeah, well, it's still up. Hell yeah. That's the beauty about the internet, man. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be there. (laughs) Look, before we get started, I got to tell you, God Mode is one of my favorite tracks right now, bro. I've been bumping that in the Stay on theme time. We always in God Mode. That's what it is. (laughs) I was in there yesterday. I was was just getting, I was getting down in the gym and I had that blaring. It's it's the nice part about being in the gym where ain't nobody else down there with me. I had that going. I loved it. I I like that. I like that. That's tight. But I ain't even gonna play with it because I know I got you for a short period of time today. So I just want to dive into it, man. You got, you are doing some mighty things in the kingdom right now. You are doing some great things for for the glory of God. And right now, I just I want the the audience to hear your story and your testimony. So I just want you to dive into it to whatever degree you want to, man. Just what was life like for you before Jesus, man? Just go ahead and, and share that with us today, man. Before Christ, I would just simply say, man, it was like. It was tough. It was rough. I grew up in the projects, Northeast DC, 
right? Neighborhood called Paradise. A lot of violence, crime, drugs. I mean, you just name it, man. It's just there. And it's an enclosed neighborhood, so it's like you can't escape, right? Um, didn't see anything beyond where I was, so I just did what I did. When I came outside, it's right there in front of me. Um, got locked up at 22 years old for murder. Living that lifestyle, ended up committing murder. Um, and being locked up, just faced with that reality, was like something different for me. Because I've been locked up a few times here and there in bookings and stuff, but when I was locked up for that, and those those bars closed and them gates like mechanically closed and locked. You can't get out and you look at your paperwork and that thing say L-I-F-E and you ain't got no letters on that. I mean, no numbers on there. You like, man, good God almighty. How did I end up here? Right. So I was sitting there trying to figure out like, all right, I got to pull myself together and get about this situation. Um, so the only thing I can think of was I ain't trying to die in the streets. And I ain't trying to have no dying prison. I'm not getting no life sentence and rotting this joint. And nobody going to kill me on the street. So I said, you know what? I just take my own life. Because to me, that was winning. To me, that's how I beat the system. That's how I got out of the streets. That's how nobody killed me. If I take my own life, it was like a victory for me to take my life. But it was something in that moment when I was having it all planned out and all mapped out. It was something still not fully convinced inside of me. At the time, I didn't know what it was. But I started like crying and tearing up. And I said, man, it has to be another way. Like it just has to. And the moment I said that sitting in my cell, God broke through my natural existence and spoke and I heard him clear. He said, try me. And it instantaneously changed everything about me. I mean, like, like night to day, like, I mean, instantly. Cause when God speak, I realize now when his voice it's like thunders, like, you know what I'm saying? Like the word said, it's like thunder. So it's like when he spoke, it was like, it literally shook my whole life and everything about me changed. I knew I was loved. I knew I was accepted. I knew I was watched over by him. I knew that it was Jesus in that moment calling me to himself. And I just gave my life to him. I started telling him, man, you can have my life. You can have my life. You can have my life. If you want me, you got me. I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that inside all of these new feelings, all of this new desire start coming for God. And I just released myself into the, in, into his hands and he filled me with his Holy Spirit. And I ain't never been the same since. So you grew up in the streets and you were surrounded by that life your, your whole time. So how did you, is that just because of where you would, you said I was just, I was a product of the environment. Like that was just where I grew up. That was the only way I knew how to make money. Like how did you really get involved in the street life that got you to the 25 year or got you to the, to the life sentence? Well, that, that, that term product of your environment is a little wishy-washy because right. it's like, there's a lot of people that's from the hood that don't do the stuff that's in the hood. Like they go to school, you know what I'm saying? Their parents are cool. They're just financially struggling. So they living in the hood, you know what I'm saying? They're not like hood themselves or like ghetto, as people would say. So it's like product of your environment is a term that's, that's really loose. So for me, um, it was more uh, it was more uh, I didn't really like take the opportunities that were presented. Now, in the in the projects, though, you don't have a lot of people telling you what your opportunities are. Right. You don't have a lot of people like coming in with programs and things like that, especially in that day. And still till today, it's still a lot of hoods that don't get people to come inside and bring like things to them. Right. So I didn't know what was out there. You know, I wasn't necessarily a product of it. Like I didn't have to fall into it. Right. But through ignorance, 
you know what I'm saying? And through the system that is rigged to keep you there, mm -hmm. right? That it is rigged to keep you down and to keep you impoverished and things like that. And to keep you needing the system. So the information wasn't there. So I was a product of the ignorance, not going out, not believing there's nothing else. You know what I'm saying? It was my belief system that that the, that my environment trained my mind to think that there is nothing else. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I ended up really falling into it, not being willing to, because I actually got accepted to college. Mm -hmm. Like I, I I graduated scarcely on, on some thin ice, bro. Like, <laughs> bro, like this thin. Because I had this female in my life at the time. She was really on it. And she was like, you go and graduate. And by the grace of God, God used her to help me graduate. Because I was done with school. So I graduated, got accepted to Virginia State, looked at the alpha letter, came in the mail, I just threw the joint to the side and was like, man, that ain't for me, man. I'm not going to make it. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to mess around, fail, end up fighting, <laughs> or something going to happen, and I'm just going, I ain't I got time for it. So I denied college, like, you know, and I just stayed in the streets, bro. So it was the choices I made, really, to not seek things better, because I had a really close friend of mine, right? And he went to school. He went to school and he hung with us every single day, smoked with us, drank with us, everything. But and his mother was locked up. He ain't know his father. So he ain't had no good life. You know what I'm saying? He just chose to make the decision and stick with it. Like, so it was just the choices I made, bro, to stay ignorant and not go after what, you know, I believed about myself and what I thought was better. I just said, whatever, I'm just going to do what's in front of me. And that's how that's how it all went left. Yeah. So thank you for your transparency. And I appreciate you you saying that because um, like you said, we have choices, we have options. What are we gonna do with those choices and options is what is what makes a difference. I appreciate your transparency with that. Man, praise God. So you get you get the sentence, you're you're in jail. Now, how how long were you were you in prison for? Well, I got I was facing a life sentence. Like in the beginning, I was saying that when my charges, they were it's a long rap sheet. They call it a rap sheet, endless charges. They just trump stuff up on you, right? And then so I was facing life. It said L-I-F-E, right? Like, man, like when you see that, that's hard. But then throughout the course of everything God was doing, I ended up getting sentenced to 20 years. But then after that sentence to 20 years, like three weeks, like two weeks later, 10 years of that time just disappeared out of the system and it no longer said I had 20 years no more. It only said I had 10 years. So I ended up doing a 10 year sentence and I got out six years and eight months later by the grace of God. Thank you for even, thank you for your transparency of sharing how like you were ready to take your, your life in jail. But then you heard, you said you heard the voice of, of Jesus just saying, try me, try me. So what took place for you after that? How did, how did it work for you after? Like once you gave your life to Christ, what were the, what were the next things to come after? Yeah, the next things was like, I didn't notice a change in my like in my world at the time. Like all I noticed was a change in like my thought pattern, right? Um, or my response to my thought patterns. I noticed that. That was the first thing that I noticed because I still had the same murderous thoughts. Like they were there. There was a there was in like weeks later, I remember a time when I thought somebody was knew me from the streets and was about to do something to me. And I thought about taking his life. Mm. 
But then immediately I heard God's voice again. And he literally said, this is what he said. He said, why do you want to kill him? And I was like, that wasn't me. That was the same voice I heard that said, try me. Right. And I was like, I started talking to God again. And next thing you know, all those feelings left. And I felt love for the person instead of like anxiety and fear and stuff like that. I felt the love of God for him and things like that. And it, it turned out not to even be what those thoughts were. So what I noticed was I noticed that the relationship that God was having with me, it was real. It was personal. Like he was in my life and he was talking and speaking to me and he can hear me back and we can dialogue and it's a relationship. So I just started building on that. And I just noticed every single day, that's how I just live my life. Listening for his voice, following his instructions, allowing him to speak to me, allowing him to check me. Because in that moment, it was so much about me that needed to change. I had to allow God to tell me what to do in my life or else I would have just stayed the same. So it built the habit of listening and obeying. So that's what it was like after that. It was a it was just a process of getting in the word, knowing his voice, listening and allowing him to just do whatever he want to do. I gave my life to him. So I, I was allowing him to lead it. So like you said, so originally you had the the life sentence and then so you got out and how many years did you say you end up serving? Just six years and eight months. Six years. And eight. So you got this new, you got this fresh fire for the Lord. You got this fresh fire for the Lord. You're, you're, you're coming out of jail right now. Did you notice a different fire for pe for that people had out of jail versus the fire people had for God that was in jail? Yeah, I would say, yeah. In the area of like the same thing I said just now, like I didn't really see people, just out with their faith, just openly. And I know as Christians that I was running across that was shunning me and looking at me and like, like why I'm looking at them and smiling or why am I saying God bless them or how you doing today? They looking at me crazy. I don't know if it's because I'm from DC and people just like that in this area. Cause I go to other places like down South and I can speak and people are like, how, how you doing? So I don't know, but it'd be like on Sundays. Like I know it's Christians out at the grocery stores on Sundays and they got their suits and ties on and everything. And I'm speaking because I'm like, all right, they must be a believer. God bless you. Praise the Lord. And they like, <laughs> like looking like, why are you talking to me? And I'm like, I mean, you, you obviously you went to church today. So it was like, they may have been inwardly in love with God, but they wasn't outwardly expressing it to the world. Like, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I equate to like not being on fire because man, when something's on fire, you have to put it out because if you don't put it out, it's going to spread. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? So that's why I equated to fire because I wasn't seeing people like spreading just the love of God in general, genuinely in their everyday life. It was like, it was just hard to find. Like I still don't be seeing people just out and about just loving people when I'm out and just smiling and just showing the love of God. I see it when I go to church, but I don't see it nowhere. I don't see it nowhere. That's why one of the things for Redwood is I'm really pushing for us to get out there and be the church. You know, we get the game plan maybe on Sundays, right? But Christianity is not a Sunday morning thing. This has to be a lifestyle thing. This can't just be something that you keep to yourself. Right. Jesus didn't keep the father to himself. This has to be something for us to go out and spread this message, you know, right. so. And I tell you, one of the things I do love about the South is the Southern hospitality, man. People just seem like they're nicer down there to you. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it it's is. Crazy. I don't know. It's crazy. 
They are nicer down there. I need to move down something. <laughs> so what would what would you say when you got out of jail? What would you say your biggest hurdle was when you got free? Uh, I would say the biggest hurdle for me, it was so many, but I <laughs> for real. Yeah, I would say the biggest one was to not be hard on myself for it. Mm. That probably was the biggest one to like not overthink, overanalyze, not think for God, like not tell myself what God is thinking about me, like in a negative sense. Like I had to really like make sure that my thoughts were centered around being a son, right? Centered around a son of God, being a son. Um, centered around like God is already pleased with me. I had to make sure that my thoughts were like, if you do need to tighten up or do better, like don't condemn yourself and don't think God is like, like don't mix chastisement, you know what I'm saying, with with like condemning you. Like, so I had to really like find that balance of, okay, yes, I do need to wake up earlier. I do need to not go straight to bed. I do need to spend a little bit more time and not be hard, just kind of, balance things and say okay how can i get in with god when can i like get that sweet spot you know what i'm saying with the lord and spend that time and not be hard on myself for because for a few seasons it'll come and go i just be hard on myself but when you're hard on yourself you don't do nothing right you know what i'm saying you end up beating yourself down and next thing you know you don't do nothing <laughs> god ain't tell you to to feel convicted and then live for him he said just know how much i love you like that's gonna drive you that's gonna be the driving force you know what I'm saying? And when you realize how much you're already loved, how much you're forgiven. The Bible says that the lady who was forgiven much loved much. So just remind yourself of those things. And I know it sounds like, well, I got to do this. I got to do that. But first thing that I had to learn to do is just believe right and think right about myself and think right about who God is to me and who I am to him. And then that was driving me to do more. So it just happened naturally instead of me trying to force it. Because God ain't going to be approving the things that my hands try to do. He's going to be approving what my heart believes. Hmm. So that, you can tweet that later. I will. I will. <laughs> I will. I don't know if you noticed, but I share some of your stuff sometimes. I put it out there. I yeah, put it out there. praise God. Uh-huh. So, I appreciate your passion and fire for, for the Lord. So how do you stay on fire for God? Like, what, what do you do to stay on fire for him? That's the answer, bro. I'm going I'm to repeat it. That's go. it. I'm going to say a different way, but that's really it, bro. It's like, first I would say, don't compare yourself to nobody else. Like, don't compare yourself to nobody, man. I don't care if it's your spouse, nobody, your parents, nobody. Just don't compare. And don't give yourself excuses. Like, don't take what God is allowing you to like, learn and grow in as an excuse. You know what I'm saying? Like, I always tell people like this, and you can tweet this too. When God gives you liberty, don't turn it into a license. You know what I'm saying? When God gives you liberty to do something, don't turn it into a license, right? Because if you get pulled over, you show your license, you feel like, all right, I got my license. I'm good. I can ski the way you try to talk your way out of it. No, your liberty is so that way you can freely surrender to God without guilt and freely give to God without the shame or the embarrassment of not getting it right. It's not a liberty to say, no, nah, I don't have to. Like, no, nah, I'm good. Like, it don't take all that. No, go hard for God, but be free at it. And that's how you keep your fire, because how do you how do you keep a fire burning in the natural? It's the same way. It needs oxygen. Fire, when you remove oxygen from a fire, it dies. You know what I'm saying? Like a candle. Those, what do you know, bath and body work, Jones? Yeah. You put the top on the candle. 
you put the top back on it, it has that thing that for you that you put it on there, it, it removes the oxygen, it dies out. So you keep the oxygen. And so what what where's oxygen at in your in your body? Coming out of your mouth. So you just say the right things, believe the right things, speak the right things over yourself, right? And then you keep that oxygen on a fire. And that's how you stay on fire. It's really that simple. One of the things I had to do because I struggled with addiction for a good part of, of my life was I had to really I, I use Ephesians 4, 20 through 26 a lot, the put off and put Man. on, you know, yeah. so it's like whatever I had to put off, whatever I stopped doing, I had to put on something in its process. There you go. But just because I stopped doing drugs, for example, putting on television wasn't going to be enough. I had to put on something that was going to be life given for me. Amen. You know? You know, I had to put on something that was really going to just continue to feed my spirit so I could actually be light and salt to the people who are around me. Because we said this earlier on on this podcast, you know, this isn't meant to be kept to ourselves. Right. So um, one of my passions is seeing people one for the Lord and seeing souls saved and seeing people coming to the saving power of Jesus. And you you don't I don't I don't want to keep that inside. It's like if someone's (laughs) sick and you got the medicine, why would you not give it to them? Man, I'm telling you. That's so, so good. So yeah, I want to jump into this really quick. So the music, man, I just wanted to ask you about this. What has been, and I know God is is obviously behind it, but what is the creative process like for you when you're making music? Like, what is your inspiration? How do you, because you got some EPs out right now. So I just kind of want to touch on that. Yeah. I just, I don't know, bro. I just be asking God, like, where you at? And what you doing? Like, because, bro, I can sit and make music every day. But it's like, I just ask God, like, what he, what he trying to say right now? But also, I look at the season in my life, too, as well. Because it's just like, I'm not going to preach something at the season where I ain't come out of or I'm not in. So the same thing with my music. Like, all of my, like, you can know me and wherever I'm at in my life by listening to my music. <laughs> you can look at the date it was released and be like, okay, this was the season he was in in his life. For real, because all of my music come from the things that God has been doing, still doing, or I just came out of, and then it just comes out. So I just tap into, like, what's really happening in my life? What is God saying right now to me? You know what I'm saying? And what season am I in? And then I just put it on, on wax, as they say. I, well, I put it through the digital streams, right? And I let people be able to hear it because it's, I'm, I'm basically trying to preach to them through the music. So I'm not going to preach a stale word, like an out of season word. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not just going to preach on faith just because you can preach on faith and everybody needs faith. I'm going to preach on faith in a way where what is God saying about what's, what's lacking in people's faith in this season? Like, what does he see in the church as a whole that they're missing? So that's where it comes from. And then I try to get a little creative, you know what I'm saying, to make that drink sound real cool. So I ask God also, I say, man, tap me in with the culture. I ask him that. I say, Lord, tap me into the culture. So I might, I might like, I might skim through like um, Apple Music and just see like what's out and what the culture talking about. And then I ask God, all right, Lord, how can we flip that? You know what I'm saying? And bring glory to you. Like, cause that don't belong to them. If that's a viral song from somebody, that don't, that glory don't belong to them. You know what I'm saying? And I ask God how to bring that glory back to you. And then next thing you know, man, it just, just come out the way it be coming out. I was praying last night about this episode and I was praying um, just this morning that like 
Signs and Wonders just accompany this podcast. Signs and uh, Wonders accompany Redwood. That God, I need the Holy Spirit to do whatever it's going to do through whatever it is you're doing through this ministry. You know, I want you to be in this because I don't want to do it in my own strength, right? Wow. So. I hear you. It's important to be like, God, what do you what do you want from this? What do you want out of this? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to put this, put this together? You know, so yeah. um it's one of the reasons why when I write my it's not the same thing, but when I'm taking when I'm looking at sermons and I'm getting ready to go somewhere, I'm it's like God, give me something fresh. What do you have for this population of people? Because mm -hmm. that word that you gave me before was for that church last year. What do I got for these people today, right now? Because they need right. they need fresh fire. So Right, fresh fire, fresh wind, fresh fire. Right. That's what them lives I call when I go live for prayer, fresh wind, fresh fire, man. So when I got saved, I had a lot of apologizing to do. I had a lot of renewing of my mind to do. Um I grew up on on the east side of Cleveland too. And it just uh it was like I said, I battled a lot of addiction things through my life, and God has set me free from a lot of things and praise Amen. him for that because Part of my story was I was going to take my own life as well. That's why your story intrigued me so much. Mm. Thank God that one of the pastors at my church yeah. called me when I was sitting on my couch in my own nine millimeter to my head, ready to take my own life. So mm. that's why that's one of the main reasons like, I really want to talk to you because I was just I wanted to get your perspective on that. So I appreciate everything you shared. Mm. Um, I had a ton of apologizing to do. Like I owed people money that I had to 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 pay back, and God reminded me of that. He was like, "Yo, wow. you just came into this income." I need you to pay these folks back. I forgot that I even owed them the cash because it was so far mm. before Christ to now. It was like it was so far away. You know? yeah, so, yeah. Have you had any contact with a family of the individual who who has lost his life? Have you had a chance to talk to them directly, apologize to them directly? Have you had a chance to speak to them? No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, during that whole process, they I don't know, they the hurt that they felt and the pain the whatever whatever it is that was going on with them because uh, i don't want to label it because i don't want to like minimize it if it's deeper than what i'm right. you know driving um but what they were going through they just stayed away from the the whole entire process right um so i just kept them in prayer and still do still do to this day it's been 20 it's been like 13 years now you know what i'm saying so and i still keep them in prayer um constantly con matter of fact it's been longer than that it's been about 14 almost 15 years now um since it happened uh and i still cover them and keep them in prayer for god's will you know to be done in their life and for continual healing i don't ever think that um time get rid of all wounds it can heal them but you can still see like your heals one thing about wounds right bro i learned is like a wound can heal, right? But that doesn't mean that the memory of the wound is gone. Because when you look at a scar, you can somebody may say, oh, how you get that on your arm? It's healed. It don't hurt. It's not open. It don't bother you. But it's still visible. And, and you can see it. And when somebody, like, notice it, then everything comes back to mind and how it happened. So, like... I don't I don't never think that they're like time heal their wounds. Right. So I just constantly keep them in prayer um, for God to just allow them um, to have his understanding. Right. Um, concerning their family, concerning, um, you know, what he's doing with them, through them and even how he's using me to, you know, because of what happened, like 
try to prevent these things from continually, continuously happening to other families. Um, and it may be hard for them to understand that because vice versa, if it was someone in my family, it would be hard too as well. I get it, you know, but the alternative is not better than right now the solution to what happened. Like, because I asked, some people say, ask me certain questions, like, how can you just keep talking about this and just acting like you're just so blessed by God that he saved you and somebody lost their life. And I try to explain to them like, okay, I hear you. Let's look at the alternative. The alternative is that I'm condemned, I'm guilty, I'm shameful, right? I don't accept God in my life, right? And then I continue living the same life that I live, hurting other people, right? Or the alternative is I die in retaliation. Somebody do something to me. And then now there's two lives lost and no change out of neither one of these lives took place in the world. It's just another murder of two or two other murders that happen in the world. And that's it. The world forgets about it and people still doing the same thing. Right. But the blessing is, is that, yes, someone died and someone survived. And vice versa, if if I was the one to die and God saved his life, he would be the one. If the Lord literally saved his life like he did mine and it was switched, then he would be out preaching the gospel, sharing what he would have done to me. <laughs> right. So for people to feel like he should live, if the roles were reversed, they would be saying that I should have lived. So it's just, you know, it's, it's like the alternative is not greater than the solution. The solution is that God has stop the violence in this situation, right? Stop the, and used it to be able to stop the perpetual violence from this situation and use knowing that he, I would say, yes, he used me to be able to prevent these things from happening in other people's families. Cause trust and believe, man, there's a lot of young people. There's a lot of people being reached by this testimony, by this story and his life. I know that he passed, but his life is actually like being used by God to be able to help people to realize they don't want to be in my situation or in his situation. And they change their life and they, and, and the world is changing, right? Because of it. So I just pray that God gives them the peace and the, um, the understanding because only he can me saying it can't give it to him. It could plant a seed, but God has to give it to him. So you got a, a saw to Paul story, man. And I appreciate you really sharing it's not the same, obviously, but I appreciate your transparency of everything that you you've been you've been sharing. Um, Scott, is there anything that you would say to them specifically if they were listening to this episode right now? Yeah, that that that, that whole synopsis. Um, I would say God is able. Like everything that I just said, God is able. Yeah. So, um, just. If you can just remove me out of the way for a moment, God can touch you and what happened don't have to traumatize you because they're not just traumatized. It was traumatizing for me. I was about to take my life, you know, but it was that split moment when God spoke and I stopped to let him speak. And then he took the trauma away and he can do the same for them. Um, I believe that. So. What would you say your relationship, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ is like now? How does that affect your day-to-day -day life? 
Um, I would say it's real. <laughs> like it makes my life real, bro. Like real, real because like you can't be out here like flying around. <laughs> Not in your marriage, as you're raising your children, like you have to really, really, really be real with this thing. Um, and it keeps me honest. My relationship, how he built it with me, it just keeps me honest. It keeps me an honest person. And not like truthful lie honest. I mean, honest in the fact that I am what I say that I am in God. Like, that's me. You're going to see that out and about. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to hear me on here. And then meet me somewhere cussing somebody or frustrated in the grocery line. I mean, I ain't perfect, but you're not going to see it. Like, by right. the grace of God, you're going to see the honest life, you know, because of Christ doing the work through me. So it just keeps me honest. Yeah. When I make mistakes, I just say, all right, uh, I buckle down and I say, all right, Lord, this ain't what I'm supposed to be doing. Let's 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 start turning this around. So it's just an honest life, man. And it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be able to be free and not have to worry about putting on masking and being somebody else. Just be yourself in God. Like that's the key. Be yourself, but be yourself in God. Letting him take control of who you believe you are. Right. So. So I know you said I got you for. So how much longer um, do I got you for today? How we doing on time? Um, let's see. We good for another five. Okay. Okay. I'm going to ask you, I got two more questions for you then. So I'm going to just go ahead because I want to give you time at the at the end of this. So I ask all the guests this question. So what motivates you and why do you do what you do? Shoot, what motivates me is his love, to be honest. Like, no cliches. Like, think about it. People like me, they would say, man, you did. I've had people say it to me, you deserve to die. Like, you don't deserve to be saved. Like, why are you saving? There's other people out here dying. You should be dead just like them. But it was the love. Like, he he saved me. He saved me. So it's just the love. I'm motivated by that. Man, I'm not supposed to be here. You know what I'm saying? I'm not supposed to be here. So I go hard because I think about if I don't, it's like, what the world? How can I not? <laughs> Bro, I cannot go back to no ordinary life. Like, I don't even, like, I can't see that happening. Like, I just can't. Love don't do that. Love change you, man. You get married, bro. You don't go back to the single life. You don't go back to like how loose you was living. You tighten up and you and you express that your love, you express the love you receive back to that person. And people know you happy. What happens when females get in a good relationship finally? All their little girlfriends know it. They co-workers know it. They're like, man, that's something about you, man. You've been coming to work happy as I don't know what. You know what I'm saying? Like how you you just can't go back, man. You just can't go back. Brother, thank you for being on here today. I wish I could I could sit here and just talk to you for hours. Um, thank you for doing this. I know you got I know you got a, a schedule to to keep today. That brings us to our final segment of the show. This is our let them know segment. This is a part of the show where you can tell the audience anything, anything you want them to know. You can spoken word, read a Bible verse, say a prayer, you know what I'm saying? Promote your soon to be platinum album, whatever you want to put out there, whatever you want to say. Ray, let them know. Man, praise God, man. I want to let people know that first I want to let the believers know this, the believers. 
I want to let everybody who professed Christ, who who gave their heart to Jesus, right? I want to let you know that um, the Lord saved you. He saved you because he loved you, right? He loved you because that's his choice. That's his choice because, like, he don't have any other options, right? Because that's who he is. The Bible says God is love. So you can go down the line and just remember those things. But also, I want to let you know, too, this. Like, if you feel yourself struggling with some things, right? I want to put this in front of you, this word, deliverance, right? I want to put that in front of you because because you're saved and because you give your life to Jesus, that does not mean that everything in your life has like literally changed and become like all the way brand new as far as things that you've been through. Are you new in your spirit? Yes. Are you new as far as like you're no longer going to hell, but you're going to heaven? Yes. But all of the trauma and the abuse and all of the things that you struggle with and been through are, can still be like a plague on your soul. And God said this. He told his disciples, he said, go preach. Preach the gospel. Baptize people in my name. Get them saved. Get them into my kingdom. I want to fill them with my spirit. And then he says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Like when you preach the gospel, people get baptized. Then you lay hands on the sick. But then it also says this. When they come to me, he said, also cast out their demons, cast them out. So I want you to also just be encouraged that there's nothing wrong with you, right? You're a believer, you're saved, but you just might need to get those demons off your life, those things that came into your life before Christ. And the Bible says that deliverance is for the children of God. It's the children's bread. The woman asked Jesus, she was like, man, can you save my daughter? She wasn't a child of God. And he said, I want you to deliver her. She got demons. And he said, I'm not, the, the deliverance is for the children. Like it's the children's bread. He let her know that because casting demons out of unbelievers that don't have Christ, they'll just be worse off if they don't surrender. But God want to get demons out of your life so that way you can be free, free to run and do the things that God wants you to do with a more heightened sense of his presence. What with the chains loosed off of your life, with generational curses broken off of your life. So open your heart and mind to being delivered in Christ Jesus. Jesus did it. More than half of his ministry was doing deliverances when he went into the synagogue. Bible says he went into the synagogue, preached, and cast out demons. These are people who love God, who knew him. So just don't close your eyes to that. Open your heart up to it, because in this day and time, this is the this is the next dispensation that God is bringing into the world. He's delivering his people. He's cleansing his church. He's casting demons out of his church and he's setting his people free so that they can run and go hard for him without running, stopping, running, stopping, running, being pulled back. Having pro If you know you got prophecies really quick, if you know you got prophecies over your life, but it's like these things aren't being fulfilled. That's probably because there's a demon that's trying to keep snatching the word out. If you know that you're sick in your body and people keep praying over you, laying hands over you, you've been fasting, that's probably because it's a spirit of infirmity still keeping you bound to that sickness and the Lord knows it. So in deliverance, he's opening the door and he wants his people to be not to not think taboo when it comes to deliverance and demons. It's for you. God wants to deliver you and set you free set you free so that the Holy Ghost can take complete full residence, not just in your spirit when he saved you, but also in every area of your soul so that you're trauma free, right? So that you're all of those things that plagued your life no longer has any power, you know, over you. Um, 
And yeah, man, be free. Be free. Be free in Jesus' name. I went through deliverance and I was saved, full of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, leading people to Christ, preaching my behind all, living for Jesus every day, loving people, serving. And I got demons cast out of me just December last year in my basement, right down here underneath it. So listen, man, deliverance is for the people of God. So amen. That's what I want to say. That's what I want to let them know. Brother, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Do you want to close us out in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Father, I thank you right now for every ear that's listening, God, for every eye that's watching, Lord God, for every heart that's receiving your word. Work your work, God. Work your work. Let your angels, Lord God, hallelujah, that loves the fear of God, Lord God, just come where they are as they fear your name as they love on you and praise you, God. And I pray in Jesus' name for everyone, Lord God, who doesn't know you intimately, God, that don't know you, that doesn't know you, Lord God, as their savior and still tiptoeing around should they trust you, serve you, live for you, God. I pray that this word, this broadcast, this episode, Lord God, will pierce through their spirit and you will divide their soul and spirit and you will work inside of their heart. And that they will give their lives to you with just a simple, simple, simple heartfelt prayer, God, to just call on your name, believe that they're a sinner, don't want to die in their sin, and they believe that you're their savior, God, and they ask you to come into their hearts to live inside of them through your Holy Spirit, and that you will set them on fire for you, and that they would renounce every work of the devil and the sin that come with it, and that they will live a life that pleases you through your spirit and not their own efforts, God, and that they will be born again and have a home in heaven that you prepare for them already, God, that it wouldn't be an empty space that says vacant because they didn't make the decision. But Lord God, it will say occupied once that day comes for them to be with you, God. And I just thank you for that. And I give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ray, thank you so much for doing the show today. I appreciate you, brother. We plan blessings over you and your ministry. Thank you, and Lord. your whole family. We thank you for everything God is using you to do, man. Thank you so much for being on here today, brother. I really do appreciate it. God bless, man. It was my pleasure. Seriously, thank you.